Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. I'm really looking forward to talking with you and learning from you today. So can you start by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Yes, sure. Um, I'm Irene Pasquetto and I'm an assistant professor in the School of Information here at Michigan, uh, where I teach ethics of information technologies and digital curation. Thank you so much. And in what areas does your research focus? Um, so in my most recent work, I study how mis and disinformation work. Basically, I look at how groups on the internet produce and share what they think is information, what we might think of as alternative facts. And I'm very much interested in kind of like understanding both the rhetorical and the media tactics and strategies that these groups use to kind of justify their arguments as valid as true. You recently authored a paper, Disinformation as Infrastructure, that examines how over a period of 11 months, Italian QAnon supporters designed and maintained a distributed, multi-layered infrastructure of disinformation that spans multiple social media platforms, messaging apps, online forums, and alternative media channels. Can you provide insight on this research and share a little bit about your findings? Yeah, so in that paper, we show how Italian QAnon groups during the first year of the pandemic you know, when everybody was at home doing nothing but being online all the time, I'm sure you remember that time, uh, they built this vast network of interconnected websites and platforms, which extended well beyond Facebook and Twitter, um, as they designed their own databases and content aggregators, uh, channels on instant messaging apps, alternative media channels, etc. And they use this infrastructure, what we call a disinformation infrastructure, to present and share evidence of their theories, but also to recruit new followers and kind of expand their networks. So the most important observation that I think it emerged from this work is that it took, uh, it took a very long time for social media to intervene and take some of these accounts down. So to conduct what they call their deplatforming operations, right? Uh, which meant that um, QAnon groups had all the time in the world to build such widespread infrastructure. So by the time social media uh, took down some of these QAnon accounts, uh, they had already grew their influence on other places, as we were saying, on Telegram channels, online forums, etc. So they could keep spreading kind of the, their false theories and recruiting new followers. So the main idea here is that social media work kind of as springboards for disinformation campaigns, which means that these, uh, the platforming operations are very timely interventions, right? Uh, so the more disinformation operations or their infrastructures grow over the, the internet, the more we wait to um, deplatform these groups, the harder are then to eradicate. Is so interesting. And so can you expand on the dangers that the spread of misinformation can cause? Yeah, sure. So of course, uh, generally speaking, I think that the danger that is 
usually or kind of like normally associated with um, misinformation is that, you know, misinformed people, uh, they, uh, they can take decisions that can harm their, themselves or also others, or I would say especially others, right? So we have plenty of examples on these, not wearing masks and not getting vaccinated, etc. But for me personally, the main danger, the thing that kind of worries me and motivates my research is the fact that um, those groups who are creating and spreading misinformation want to present all information as equal, as if you know, anybody can uh, wake up one morning and provide some useful, reliable information that can actually guide key societal decisions, which is actually super hard to do, especially in uh, times of crisis. So I really believe that's not the case. Uh, I don't think that all information is uh, equally valid and reliable uh, because you know, good information is actually very of what we would call otherwise knowledge, right? It's very slow to produce, um, requires a lot of uh, work and expertise uh, while this information is cheap to produce. It, it spreads fast. It doesn't require much effort in terms of following any standards of quality, et cetera. So again, to me, the main danger of misinformation and those group who create misinformation is this kind of like suggestion that all information is created equal, which I don't, I don't think it's the case. Yeah. So you spoke with um, the Columbia Journalism Review about how social media algorithms accelerate the spread of disinformation, commenting on how social platforms profit off the spread. Can you describe how these algorithms um, of social media platforms accelerate disinformation? And is there anything that users can do to stop this? Yes, I can, and thank you for the question. Um, this is a particularly good question because I feel like uh, there are still a lot of people who believe that social media simply show people what they want or social media just give people what they want, right? Which is actually not the case. Um, as social media algorithms uh, kind of make a guess at what people want to see. So they use machine learning algorithms to predict the probability that each user which will share, comment on, like, or love, or hate any given post. And then they use users' personal data, such as keyword searches, demographic, demographic information, etc., to associate these predictions with specific users. So platforms, I have to say, they try to reduce harmful content on, um, by kind of like tweaking this algorithm over time. So for example, Facebook at some point um, made sure that posts that receive a lot of angry emoji are recommended less by the algorithm than posts who receive a lot of likes, right? In an attempt to, I think, reduce the circulation of kind of upsetting or sensationalist content. However, at the moment, uh, users cannot really influence the way the algorithm works, at least not directly. Uh, but um, one possibility for the future that I know regulators are you know, talking about and also platforms are considering is to start to let the users tell the algorithm how to pick content for them. So instead of having Facebook guessing at what users want to see, right, 
Um, the idea is to allow users to pick and choose the content that they want to see themselves by telling the algorithm how to do so based on their own preferences. Uh, we will have to see if that will work in terms of reducing misinformation, but hopefully it will. Yeah, it will have a positive impact. Thank you. In a paper you co-authored titled Social Debunking of Misinformation on WhatsApp, The Case for Strong and In-Group Ties, you argue that the messaging app can play an important role in correcting misinformation. Can you provide insight on this research and share how WhatsApp can intervene and prevent misinformation from circling on its platform? Yes, so the main takeaway of that paper is that we found some good indication that if you receive a correction, so uh, which is like a message saying that a certain piece of information is false, right? Uh, from someone who is close to you, like a friend or a family member, you tend to believe that better than if you received it from a stranger or someone that is not close to you, who is not close to you. So that's basically what the key finding of the paper is. And because uh, on WhatsApp, uh, people tend to know each other personally, and also users generally perceive WhatsApp as a safe place to share also delicate kind of like sensitive information. Uh, that's why we think that WhatsApp could indeed be, indeed be a good place for correcting misinformation. Thank you so much for sharing that. The Digital Services Act outlines how Europe is planning to regulate tech with a new set of rules for online platforms, search engines, online marketplaces, and every other significant provider of digital services. What can we take away from this act and how does it impact the spread of misinformation? Um, so this new law, uh, which is not in effect right now, um, but it will be, I think, toward the end of the summer, uh, will require tech companies to basically police their platforms for illegal content as it is defined by the European Union, uh, which is uh, mostly like hate speech and uh, content that is related to terrorist uh, threat. Uh, so the big tech companies will have to, uh, first of all, remove this content as soon as possible, as soon as it is identified, right? Um, and then they will also have to do some algorithmic audits where they explain, uh, you know, like, for example, once a year, they explain the report on how their algorithms affected democracy and human uh, rights. Um, they will also have to... Um, remove certain practices, uh, marketing practices such as uh, micro-targeting. Uh, advertising will not be allowed anymore. Um, and also what we call dark patterns, um, which are basically design choices that steer people into decisions that they may not otherwise have made. So kind of like manipulative marketing practices are not allowed anymore. And then as we were just uh, talking about, the platforms uh, uh, will also have to give users the choice of picking an algorithm for their feed that is not based on their behavioral profile, um, as we mentioned earlier. So we will have to see uh, what's the impact on misinformation. Um, there is nothing in the law that, you know, expressly say, says, uh, okay, this is like, you know, the intent here is to reduce misinformation, but I can see how misinformation can indeed be 
reduced uh, by this law in many ways. Um, you know, uh, often hate speech content is also false or misleading. So if you remove a hate speech, you are also going to remove um, partially at least the false information. You can think about misinformation on immigrants or any other uh, minoritized community, which is often, you know, both hate speech and again, false. And then, you know, if companies have to explain annually how their algorithms are impacting democracy, uh, they will have also to report on misinformation because we know that misinformation is actually used a lot for political campaigning by some groups. So that's also that they will have to face it. Um, so I think we will have to see because, you know, this is like a new law, but I think that the prospects are pretty good. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, do you have any advice or tips on how users can stay informed about misinformation or are there any resources that can be used to fact check? Yeah, so that's a very difficult question. Uh, I mean, the classic suggestion, right, would be to follow reliable sources and reliable also people online, like reliable influencers, but and also not online. But how do you do that? Uh, it's quite hard, you know, to understand and kind of like uh, keep up with what a reliable source might even look like, as unfortunately we know that even, you know, mainstream media unfortunately produce quite a bit of misinformation. Um, I guess generally I would say to try to follow um, media that are producing content that is not sensationalized, that's a very good indication of some misinformation going on, right? And uh, also that they kind of try to present facts in a fair way. It's not easy to do at all. Um, but at the same time, I also want to say that if you are aware of the problem of, mis of misinformation and you are worried about the pro this problem, you are probably okay. Because, you know, most people who are misinformed, they tend not to be aware of misinformation or they tend to think they are not susceptible to, this, to misinformation. So if you're worried about it, it's probably a good indication that you are a quite well-informed person. And one last thing I want to say is that sometimes I'm noticing that a lot of young people, they think that they are immune to misinformation, which is again, not a great attitude, I think, uh, because we really live in a complex society and quite hard and takes some time to develop the skills to navigate kind of our very complicated information ecosystem. So I would think that, and I would say that young people should really watch out for misinformation and keep in mind that they can also be exposed to it without even realizing it, especially you know, on TikTok and social media, yeah. Yeah, that's a great view. Thank you very much. Um, it has been an absolute honor to talk with you today and learn from you. Thank you so much for taking the time today to join us on Michigan Minds. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.